Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning, largely ignoring record gains on Wall Street overnight. But the first time since February, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed in record territory. It jumped 1.6% to close within striking distance of 30,000, finishing just 50 points shy of that mark. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq finished higher as well, though tech stocks lagged behind a bit. The impetus for the rally, another breakthrough in the search for a COVID-19 vaccine. For more on that and a closer look at the market's reaction, let's chat with Ryan Huang. How's Tuesday looking, Ryan? Well, it's doing pretty okay on the back of the good news from Moderna. So good news Tuesday. Yeah, 4% better news. Uh, For the second time in a week, a major pharmaceutical company has announced what appears to be stellar results, and that is tests of a new COVID-19 vaccine that looks so promising. Now, just last week, we talked about Pfizer and BioNTech. This week, it's Moderna's turn. Moderna says its vaccine was nearly 95% effective in late-stage trials. On top of that, Moderna's vaccine may be easier to distribute than the one developed by Pfizer. Tell us more. Yeah, so if only every week started like this, right, with more good news on the vaccine front. Uh, Once again, You've got progress on the vaccine front. This time, Moderna saying 94.5%. And what is really, I guess, icing or cherry on top of the cake is that the storage problem is somewhat overcome to some extent. Remember that Pfizer's storage required the uh, very cold, ultra-cold temperature, minus 70 degrees Celsius. But for Moderna's vaccine, they just need refrigeration temperature. So pretty much... You can find this across hospitals and even in many homes. So this is not a big issue as what Pfizer was facing. And you also can store it for up to 30 days. Mm. So that also overcomes some logistical issues as well uh, from what Pfizer had. So you are looking at all in a lot of progress on the vaccine front. And then you have, I guess, a promising you can expect from AstraZeneca in days to come. They will also be expected to be releasing their results or data points in the coming week or so. So you could have another wave of good news on the vaccine front. So all in, you are seeing that big rotation from tech to value stocks once again. Mm. And I think that is um, quite encouraging. And another push for the value names, you're looking at banks, financials, energy. So those kind of sectors that will benefit from the economy Mm. doing well once again. So do we have a sense of when Moderna's vaccine may be available? Okay, so what we have so far is they need to go through the approval stages first. And this could see Moderna seeking clearance from regulators in the coming weeks. And Pfizer is going to be doing more tests in the coming two months or so. Mm. Uh, They could get some updates in the third week of November. So that will be sometime next week. So if they do get any further progress, they could apply for authorization in the U.S. this month. Uh, But all in, in terms of deployment, you could see limited production by the end of the year. But Mm. this will mainly be for frontline workers and um, pretty much emergency use. Um, Before going into next year, you could see maybe a pickup in production. But once again, um, you have people in the front of the queue. And these are the ones who have invested in these companies and also booked a spot for doses. And these are mainly Japan the European Union 
and the US. So that yeah. is for Moderna and Pfizer. So hopefully with more um, companies mm-hmm. and drug makers coming forward with their progress, we could see a bigger supply. Moderna says the initial batch is going to go to the US. Uh, these breakthroughs, though, could not come at a better time. Think about it. More than 11 million people have contracted COVID-19 in the US. The pandemic curve is getting steeper as winter approaches there. One million new cases were confirmed in just the past week. If we take a look at market reaction, Moderna shares jumped nearly 10% overnight. Shares of its competitor, BioNTech, fell by an even bigger margin, though, dropping 13%. So, Ryan, which sectors were the other big winners and losers? Yeah, Pfizer was also down by 3% and we've got AstraZeneca down 1% and we are tracking airlines, energy financials and retail. So those were some of the top movers um, overnight. So that could be the play once again repeating itself this week and the stay-at-home stocks the likes of Zoom Video, the likes of e-commerce companies like Amazon, in the short term could see a bit of a knee-jerk response as people mm-hmm. try to reallocate their portfolio to the recovery stocks. So that is um, something that could play out once again this week. Another stock that spiked overnight, though, for quite different reasons, is Tesla. It jumped 13% on news that it will join the S&P 500 next month. In the meantime, as investors uh, work to determine which sectors stand the most to win and lose in a vaccinated world, two headlines caught my eye. There are about two very different assets, both of which may face a bearish future in the months ahead. Let's start with a report by Citigroup predicting that the US dollar may stand to fall as much as 20%. Okay, so this has been pretty much the story for the US dollar in the past few years. And that's because you've got the Fed lowering rates for quite some time. And in fact, they've already indicated that it will stay near zero for at least three years. But now with the vaccine optimism, Hmm. painting a brighter outlook for the economy that will revive global trade, global growth, and that means more risk appetite and less demand for the safe haven US dollar. So you've got a couple of research houses saying the US dollar is likely to weaken by around 3% through the end of pretty much um, 2021. Hmm. So that is something to look out for. Further weakness in the US dollar. And another reason to get even more optimistic about the economy is the RCEP deal that was signed over the weekend. So with global trade prospects picking up, mm-hmm. that will mean commodity currencies like the Aussie dollar, the New Zealand dollar, mm-hmm. the Chinese yuan, all these emerging market currencies as well could see a pickup. So conversely, that will add more pressure on the US dollar. So you are going to be looking at a weak US dollar in the coming year or so. Okay, next on the bearish list, moving away from uh, some of the equities we've been talking about, baby products. So why are the makers of diapers and milk formula bracing for lower sales? Yeah, so this is interesting. So it is interesting in the sense that um, you now have COVID-19 in 2020 um, shaping the trends to come. And what's happened, of course, with COVID-19 is a lot of restrictions mm-hmm. and a lot of not so, I guess, um, conducive environments to make babies. So in the coming year, what the big companies making baby food, infant formula are predicting is that post-COVID-19, there is going to be a drop in birth rates because there was just no mood for baby making. So... They are predicting births in China will drop by 8%. 
And on top of that, you know, the circuit breaker measures and whatnot, you have people losing their jobs. So it is going to be a loss of income as well. So that could take a hit on the sale of baby products. Um, but I guess what's interesting is how these companies might try to pivot. Mm. And I, I'm looking at what Huggies is trying to do. Mm. They are trying to go greener to appeal to people to buy higher margin products that are uh, more sustainable. So diapers made from plant-based materials, so free from all the artificial chemicals and materials. So that is the pivot that Huggies is trying to do with this um, tougher time. Yeah, and making diapers that fit like pants, don't have tape, staying true to its name, right? Hugging as mm. close as ever. <laughs> you would have thought with people staying home, more babies would be made. <laughs> Maybe in some countries that could be the case. Uh, that'll be one to watch in the next year <laughs> to see uh, how birth rates pan out. All right. One more note about new investment trends and strategies before we move on. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway announced it's begun investing in four large drug makers. Pfizer, AbbVie, Bristol-Myers, Squibb and Merck. Okay, let's bring the discussion back home. In corporate news, it is the end of the road for High Flux's board. Effective immediately, the High Court has placed a troubled company under judicial management. What does this mean for High Flux investors? Yeah, every time I talk about High Flux, I get a big headache because it's been going on for the good part of two and a half years. And there is so much detail and um, com- compli- complications and complexity behind this. Mm. Um, so hopefully this is somewhat of a closure even though it is a bit sad for investors who have been putting their money in into this and just to give you context in the past two and a half years mm-hmm. um, there have been 12 extensions of Highfax's debt moratorium so they have been trying to get a deal done in the past two and a half years and every time they've been asking for more time and finally the courts decided no enough is enough nothing is getting close to being done I, they, the judge decided no they can't give any more um, time or delay what is um, supposed to happen. And that is after filing bankruptcy, you will get a JM or judicial manager. So that is what will pan out. The JM uh, in the form of Borelli Welsh entered Highfax's premises yesterday to take control of assets, including changing the locks, checking the computers. So what's going to pan out next is they are going to check all the um, inventory and the assets, how much everything is worth and likely see what's the best way to get value out of the company. And for retail investors and perpetual security holders, Mm. they are likely to be at the back of the queue to get anything out of this because you have the creditors, the banks have lent money to Highflux. They will be in front. Mm. So not looking good for these um, investors. Utica still looking at an asset purchase at all? Mm. So that could also be in the frame, potential investors, but there now is a complication with a JM in place. So mm. it's not up to the board of High Flux and former CEO Olivia Lam to navigate how the um, transactions take place. So this potential JM could result in a longer, prolonged, drawn-out process in terms of getting a deal done. So that could scare away any potential investors who were there in the first place. All right, before we check in on Asian markets, yesterday we discussed the halt in trading in Australia due to a technical issue. Sydney has resumed trading today. So do we have any more information on why it had to shut down yesterday, the first time in a decade for that long, and what exchange officials have really done to address this problem? 
Yeah, so far so good for the Australian stock exchange. It's still up and running. And the last we saw is up by 0.4%. So remember yesterday, just half an hour into trading, it had to close down because of an epic IT meltdown. A software glitch because after the weekend, they did a trading system update. So like many glitches, it was due to an update of the system. So that didn't pan out. And now what we have is this regulator, the ASIC, are trying to investigate if the XX has breached its market license obligations. And they are going to be really pressing the XX for answers. Uh, Right now, uh, if we look at what's happened, it is the latest problem in AXX's tech challenges. They have just rolled out a website and they've they've been getting a lot of flack for it. It's not been going down with um, a lot of the investors because of the features and the clunkiness. And I guess this is also the first in four years that the SX has had a big outage. And if you remember, in the past year or so, we've had a few as well from New Zealand because of DDoS and Tokyo as well. There's a Mm -hmm. big one. So it is quite an interesting year to see so many outages happening in 2020. Well, let's hope that opening at 10, closing at 10.01.30 only happens once in a decade. All right, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us this morning. You've been listening to Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.